Take your Bibles, turn with me to James chapter 2. James, excuse me, James chapter 1. James chapter 1. All right. We're going to have a grand time today. We're going to talk about opportunities and obstacles. We're going to talk about obstacles today and opportunities. Is anybody in this room right now who is dealing with any problems in life or has had to deal with any problems in life? My, my. What do you know? All right, boys, turn the lights on. I want to see if there's any sinners in here. Oh, we're going to be here a while, aren't we? All right. All right, you got it, James 1. Now, before we read that, I want to, I want to put something out here and see what you think about it. I want to talk to you about your creator. God created us. I don't, I don't believe I'm the product of a biological cross. I don't believe I'm a sack of cells. I believe God created me. I believe God created me in his image. I believe God created you. I believe he created you in his image. And he's created us for a lot of things. But one of the things God has created us to do, he has created us to accomplish. God created us to accomplish things. The Bible says, first sentence in the Bible, in the beginning, God created the heavens, the earth, everything that's here. Then he said, let us make man in our image. I was created in the image of God who has accomplished a lot in his long lifetime. God is a creator. He's an accomplisher. And he created me. And there's something right here inside of me that wants to do things. I want to accomplish things. It's in you. Unless you've killed it. What's the difference between a people and a cow? You can't answer that. Outside, well, there's a number of things, but you know what's the difference between people and cows? Cows have no desire to accomplish anything. As long as they have food and a little bit of shelter, live their entire lives content. You need more than food and shelter to be happy. God made you that way. And God's put this thing right here inside of every person that wants to do something, accomplish something. Why do people do the crazy things they do? I was reading this past week about all the people that have died this year trying to climb Mount Everest. It has been done. You ain't accomplishing nothing except stupid Anson. Why would somebody want to climb that thing to the top, turn and come right back down where they started from? You say, because it's there. That ain't got nothing to do with it. Everybody's got something here that wants to accomplish something. We're created by God to accomplish things. That's the reason people, they do what they do. Listen to what, what the Bible says about accomplishment. This is in Habakkuk, one of your favorite books, I'm sure. Where there is no vision, the people perish. I'm talking about eye vision, where there's no dream, where there's no desire to do something, where there's no, where you're not pushing to accomplish something, people just die. Where there's no vision, people perish. People die when they don't have something to live for you. You can't, that's why old people are so crabby. It is. We thought we were doing old people a favor. Let them retire it. Good gosh, it's 55 now. You don't know nothing till you're 55 or 65. Now you, bless your heart, you worked hard. Now get you some Velcro tennis shoes and go sit down. Go to McDonald's, Biscuitville, hang around in the morning and just relax, enjoy. You're killing them. People do not live when they sit down on their fannies and do nothing. You got to have a reason to get up. And God created us to have a reason to get up and to dream. And when there's no vision, the people perish. When people get so discouraged, 
because they've tried and failed and everything's against them and they give up, you're dead. God made you that way. He made you to accomplish things. It's down inside of you. And you, you lose your vision, you die. One of the things I've loved all my life, starting as a young man, I would, I've studied and read the biographies of people who accomplished great things in life. I love to study why certain people can do certain things. And I've read the biographies of great leaders like Lincoln and Washington, studied their lives. Uh, George Washington Carver, the black man who led us into reconstruction and how much he accomplished. Uh, ben Carson, my goodness, Ben Carson and the things he's accomplished. One, one guy fascinates me right now is a man named Elon Musk. Love him or hate him, that dude's got a vision. And uh, he, I laugh when I heard he's going to put people on Mars. I've decided to sign up. <laughs> but what is it about guys and girls like that? They just, they just see out there and you know, where everybody's saying it can't happen. They say, why not? And I've spent my life studying people who've accomplished great things. The Bible is a book about people who accomplished great things that really shouldn't have been able to do it. Yeah. If you've ever read it, read all the way through the Bible. It's a book of people who accomplished great things that really shouldn't have been able to do it. Now, <clears throat> there I find a common factor among people in the Bible and in, in public life. What's the secret? What's the key to these people who are not just famous people who did big things. I, I look at certain husbands and wives. I look at certain couples and I look at the way their children have been raised. I just look at them and I go, how did they do that? How did they do that? And I've told some of them, you ought to write a book. And the smart one said, it's already been written. <laughs> I, I look at people, I have a friend, he's a teacher in this county. He was a teacher across the hall from my wife years ago in the public school. He is now a principal. He took what may be the worst school in our county, turned it around and has made it a championship school. And I just look at a man like that and I think, how did he do that? What is the common factor among people that accomplish great things? Bible, history, whatever. All right, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me shoot some lies out of the way here. Number one, it's not smart. You don't have to be smart to accomplish stuff. I've known a lot of brilliant people whose lives suck. I mean, they have done nothing. And I've known people who have accomplished amazing things and they're not that smart. It's not how smart you are. Um, I'm going to tell you something else. It's not how gifted you are either. I've known people who did tremendous things and they weren't that talented. I've known a lot of talented people who have to have help going to the bathroom. You don't have to have talent to accomplish great things. You have a great family. And I'm going to shoot something in the rear end right now that's in our nation right now. It's not privilege. You don't have to be born in a rich family. You don't have to be a great athlete. You don't have to have stuff given to you. I've known, for instance, I mentioned Ben Carson. Little black boy born in the projects in the slums of Philadelphia, no daddy, mama worked uh, menial work. He was in trouble with the law by the time he was in middle school. How did that man, how did that man grow up to become the greatest neurosurgeon in the world and end up on the president's cabinet? How'd that happen? Well, I'll just give you a little secret. His mama had something to do with it. When he wanted to be a hood, she told him, you're not gonna be a gangster. You're going to get an education. You're going to do something with yourself. And she rode him like a cowboy rides a bull. And he bucked like a bull. How'd that happen? When you see this kind of stuff, it, what is the common factor among all these people? Bible, history. I find one common factor. If you listen to the Bible, it'll tell you what it is. One common factor. These people have a unique ability to overcome obstacles on the road to glory. 
They don't have to, you don't have to be smart. You don't have to be rich. If you can overcome the obstacles, there's nothing you can't accomplish. That's it. It's not, is it easy? Is it, can I overcome what's standing in the way? Overcoming obstacles. Let me, can I, I'm gonna throw something out and see what you think about this. Here's the definition of life. One long series of obstacles on the road to glory. That's the definition of life. One just one obstacle right after the other on the road to glory. I'm at the place in life, I'm 64, about to be 65, and I've overcome a lot of the obstacles in life, and now I'm faced with another one. Old age. My equipment don't work as good as it used to. But if you'll take care of it, it'll work. It don't have to break down at 55 either. For crying out loud, would y'all quit treating us like we're invalid? I'm in a place other than a little fellow said, sir, can I help you get your table to your tray? I said, hell no, I can get it there myself. I'm fine. What do I look like? Some kind of invalid? Now, if you need help, that's fine. But I shouldn't have said hell in church. Here's the deal. About the time you whoop one thing, let me tell you, if you want to learn life out of young man, he said, I'm going to go in the ministry. What, how can I prepare? I said, buy you a whack-a-mole game and master it. Because when you master whack-a-mole, you can handle the ministry. Anything in life for that matter. You're going to raise children, get you two whack-a-mole games. Is that not life? This one pops its head up, you knock it down, two more jump up, you knock them down, one over here jumps up, you kn- that's life. It's problem after problem after problem, and it's knocking them down so you can, so you can stay on the highway. This, is a, this book is a series of stories about people who had great opportunities, but they had to overcome great obstacles to get the, to get the dollar, to get the prize. Let me pick one, my friend Moses. Moses grew up privileged. He made a terrible mistake. He committed murder at 40 years old and a a warrant was put out for his arrest. He had to run. So he fled as a fugitive from justice from Egypt. He fled way into a desert, the Sinai Peninsula Desert, went down there and hid. He found a farmer who had sheep. He got a job as a working on this guy's farm. And as the old country song says, I fell in love with the farmer's daughter. He married the farmer's daughter. Her name was Zipporah. And he was hiding from justice and spent 40 years, finally, as an old man, he's fixing to die down there in the woods, working on this farm, still had to warrant out for his arrest. And God came to him and visited him. And he said, I want you to go to Egypt. I'm sending you to Egypt. He said, I've, I've heard their pain. I'm sending you to Egypt. I want you to go tell the world's most powerful man that you're taking all his slaves. And you're going to take them out and you're going to start a brand new country. I'll be with you. <clears throat> Big assignment? Does anybody, have you ever read the book of Exodus? Were there any obstacles on the road to glory? (laughs) He never took one step before he faced the obstacles. He said to him, I don't know if you remember this or not, there's a warrant out for my arrest back there. And God said, I am. And every time he came up with an obstacle, God knocked him down. And he said, I don't have anybody to go with me. God said, I will send Aaron. He said, what, what? What am I supposed to go face the world's most powerful man with? He said, what's that in your hand? He said, it's my stick. He said, take that. (laughs) Yes or no? Take your stick. And then he said to him, remember, he couldn't speak. Had a terrible stuttering problem. And you're going to send me to talk to the world's most powerful man? You want me to lead two million people? 
Did he do it? Did he overcome any obstacles? What's God saying to you? It wasn't one, it wasn't two, it wasn't five. And after he finally straightened the king out and got done with armies chasing him, what were his biggest obstacles? Trying to lead that whiny bunch through the wilderness. I just, I read his story and I looked at him and I said, I hope you don't love me like you love him. Dear ones, this is a, and I could go all through the book. This is a book of people who had to overcome obstacles to accomplish greatness. You are no different. Not a bit of difference. It's just, (laughs) it's all it boils down to. Now, we're we're messed up our thinking in this land today. We've got people screaming, if I just had the opportunity. Everybody in this room, look right here. You've got the opportunity. We've heard the people speak. Let's listen to God speak. Turn with me to Revelation chapter three and let's get a revelation. You need to hear this passage, Revelation chapter three. Let me see if you have an opportunity in front of you. The truth is you have no idea. Revelation chapter three is one of the greatest. Now, you, Revelation means God's going to show you something you don't know. That's what a revelation is. He's fixing to show you something you don't know unless you know it. And we all need to be reminded of this. All right, Revelation chapter three is where God speaks. And in your Bible, is Revelation chapter three written in red? That means some are not, but if it is, that means you've got a red letter edition, which means these are the exact words out of the mouth of God. Watch what he said, Revelation 3, 7, to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, right? These things says he who is holy and true. He who has the key of David, watch these words. He who opens and no one shuts. He who shuts and no one opens. What does it mean when God Almighty says, I got the key and I open and nobody can shut it? What does open mean? I put opportunities in front of people. What does it mean no one can shut? No one can shut. What does it mean? It doesn't matter what happens, you can finish. It means nobody can stop what he's given you. So I wish he'd give me one. That's why we're here to read the next verse. Verse eight. I know your works. I have set before you. What's the word you mean in Greek? I have set before you an open door Nobody can shut it. Every person in this room, listen to me. God's put opportunities in front of you. Right there it is. And nothing can stop you. Can you see it? I've got the kid. There was the governor, your friend, the teacher, your boyfriend, your preacher. Who's got the key? God said, I got the key. I have set before you an open door and nobody can stop what I'm doing in your life. Who's the only person that can stop the opportunity in front of you? You. Let this sink in. God's given you opportunities and everybody's got opportunities. Listen, I'm going to say it again. You have no idea what he put in front of you or what he has put in front of you. I mean, you just have no idea if this word is true. Now, I, I've got to, in, 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 to do full disclosure. You know what full disclosure means, don't you? You should have read the second page of the contract. <laughs> I want you to turn with me. Let's read the second page of this contract on this opportunity business. It's in 1 Corinthians 16. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians 16. You read this, you'll say, ah, that's truth right there. Concerning this opportunity thing, we have got to get off this if I were just more talented, if I could just sing better, if this person had not done this to me, if I'd had that, we got to get off that stuff. God has set an opportunity in front of you. And nobody can screw it up except you. You're it. 
But with opportunities, what always, what God always sells things in packages. He always sends you things in pairs. What does he always pair with opportunities? Let's read it. First Corinthians 16 verse nine says this, a great and effective door has been opened to me. Stop right there. Everybody in this room, let that burn in your spirit. And you need to say this. God has opened a great door in front of me. Right there it is. Why do you think this is in the Bible? But what always comes with great doors? Let's read it. God has set a great and effective door is open to me. And there are many adversaries, or you could put the word obstacles. What two things always come together, dear ones? Opportunities and obstacles. They're always paired together. God has given me a great opportunity and there's a lot of hurdles on the track. Anybody ever watched like the Olympics or a high school track, college track, whatever, and they have an event called the 100 yard hurdles. You know what I'm talking about? Well, they got 220 and 440. 100 yard hurdles. You have to run 100 yards down a track and there are 12 obstacles, hurdles, and you have to jump over every one of them. And here's the cool thing about it. You start running and you find that hurdle and you jump over it and you made it. And you look up and guess what? And guess what? I, I have never seen a greater illustration of life. There, listen, there's a prize waiting down there. And you need to get there, but you're going to jump over hurdle after hurdle after hurdle. God has opened the door to me and there are many hurdles. Many, this is life right here, dear ones. This American candy cane crap of hand it to me on a silver platter. What alternative reality are you living in? There's, you need to get back to earth. Heaven to beggars. We got to get to show on the road here. There, listen, here's your opportunity right here. Listen, I, I don't care what it is. Suppose you decide that you want to follow Jesus. <laughs> Suppose you decide, you, now I'm not talking about I'll go to church once in a while. I mean, you want to follow Jesus. That is the greatest opportunity given to anybody on this planet when Jesus said, follow me. But let me make an announcement. Along with that opportunity comes many obstacles on the road to glory. A lot of them are demons. A lot of them are Baptists. <laughs> A lot of them are staring you in the mirror every morning when you get up. Can I have an honest confession of a man who's been trying to follow Jesus 45 years? It has been more difficult than I thought it would be. Let, you, let me let you hear the other one. It has been more wonderful than I thought it'd be. Them two things always go together. Dears, if you're going to follow Jesus, you're not going to float to heaven on flowery beds ease. It's going to be like Vietnam. Did somebody lie to you? Great opportunities always have great obstacles in front of them. My goodness. Suppose you decide, suppose you decide you really want to accomplish something big in life. Let's say you decide to get married. Is marriage a wonderful opportunity? You know it's coming. Is marriage a wonderful opportunity? Let me make an announcement. I decided to get married and it is wonderful and there are many obstacles. Can I get a witness? Marriage has hurdle after hurdle. Now we're getting fired up in here. I finally found something we can relate to. I've married 384 couples. It is humorous. Stand there and watch and that syrup running all out their ears and out their mouth and they so in love and them stupid love songs playing. I'm standing there thinking, you're as, you're as lost as a ball in high weeds. You're clueless. 
I can see, I can watch him. I can see what he's thinking. Somebody go, cook for me, free sex all the time. <laughs> Golly, got my candy cane. He don't know squat. And then again, I've been married 40 some years. It is wonderful. Second greatest thing I've ever known in my life. I mean, I love, marriage is wonderful. It has been a battle. And I'm the, I'm the number one perpetrator, but it has been a battle. I had no idea. I thought she'd listen to me. I, I thought she saw things the way I did. To this, I've worked at, I've worked hard at marriage because marriage is the most important thing in my life outside Jesus. I've worked hard at it. To this day, I refuse to put two TVs in the sitting room. It ain't gonna happen. Stupid enough to have one of them in there. We're gonna have one TV, but what's the problem? There's two of us. Hallmark. Cowboy Channel. Stupid love stories. Rodeo. We'll just compromise. How the heck you gonna do that between them two? Now I'm being a little bit cute, but I'm gonna tell you something. Marriage is tough. Marriage is obstacle after obstacle. And some of the couples I marriage, I think, he must really like you, my God Almighty. You're just gonna be on. <laughs> but listen to me. Great opportunities always have to get through great obstacles, and we have done it. All right, if marriage ain't tough enough for you, you think, you, you think you're a man? Try this one. Try this one. Have children. It's easy when all they're doing is crapping the house up and making it stink. That's the easy part when they're little. You wait till that, fit, look, girls, you wait till that 14, 15 year old kid that you laid your life down and almost died getting this world. You wait till they tell you to screw yourself and stick it in your ear one day. I mean, <laughs> number one, don't cry, slap them and then send them to their room. Break with this mess. I'm going to tell you something. Child, we did, we said family, but child rearing has been the joy of my life, but it has been an obstacle. This, all this thing where if it's not easy, I can't handle it. You're on the wrong planet right now, Bubba. Opportunities. And then listen to me, them kids get grown. My kids are grown now. They're, I don't know, 30 some, 20 some, 20 some. They're grown. And they love God and they got good sense. And none of them are doing what they were educated to do. $300,000 down the toilet. But I, listen to what third John says. I have no greater joy, no greater joy than to see my children walk in truth. Well, it didn't come like chariots falling off a tree. I tell you that. But the obstacles are worth the blessing. Anything you do, suppose you decide to open a business. Well, it's going to come a day people are going to look at you and they're going to be jealous over what you got. But you know what they're not going to see? <laughs> you know what they won't remember? All them days you ate peanut butter every day and you worked 14 hour days trying to get it there and you couldn't decide which bill to pay because you didn't have enough for both. They didn't see the hard times it took you to get there. They don't see the junk you have to put up with in private to keep it going. Everything that you can accomplish is going to have an obstacle in front of it. You decide you want to help people and you want to make a difference in this earth, listen to me, you can do it, but you're not going to do it easy. 
This book is a history of people who made a difference in people's lives, but there was a price to be paid for it. You're going to have great friendships. Listen to me. You've got to struggle through it. If you, if you cut and run every time the kitchen gets hot, you've got to stay in there. My dear friends, Jay and Christy Doss, I was talking to them this past week. They came to see me and they said, we want to start a ministry that helps people caught in addiction. We want to help them get out of it. We want to help them have lives. We want to bless their families. And I remember thinking, you ain't got a clue what you're getting into. And they would testify after 12 years. Amen. I mean, it's been tough. Obstacle after obstacle. But when I sit in there and I watch those children reunited with their daddies and see a godly man who's going to be a father now, it's worth the stuff. It's worth it. Now listen to me. We got to have a different attitude toward crap. You with me? My daughter made me this little plaque. It's a scripture. It's, it's, one of my, it's my least favorite scripture in the Bible. I don't even like it. But I know better not to look at it. It is. I don't like it at all. It's found in Proverbs and it goes like this. Where there is no ox, the stall is clean. But much profit comes through the use of an ox. Get it? If you don't ever want to accomplish anything in life, don't get your ox. And you'll never have to shovel no crap. But if you want to accomplish something, you've got to have an ox. And if you've got an ox, you're going to shovel. And he ain't talking about farm animals either. All right, my girls, they wanted horses. I said, here's the deal. I'll get the horses. You're going to do the work. Parents, let them do the shoveling. Let your children do the shoveling. That includes when they get in trouble at school. Don't you go up there. Let them do the shoveling. We're raising a bunch of candy canes who don't know how to shovel anymore. Let them shovel. All right. <laughs> one day I go out there and I happen to walk out the barn. and One of my daughters in there, she's shoveling out a stall. She said, I'll ask you something. I said, what is it, sweetheart? Ask the all wise one. I'd be glad to tell you. <laughs> Why is it, Daddy, that a horse has 20 acres to roam in, but he's got a crap in a 12 by 12 foot stall? I said, sweetheart, if you're going to have animals, you got to shovel. I said, that, that's not just in the barn. That's one of the greatest lessons you'll ever learn in life. That's why it's in the Bible. <clears throat> Several days later, I sat at my desk and I'm, I, I started to say I was praying, but I was really whining toward heaven. I said, Father, the ministry wouldn't be bad if you didn't have to deal with people. <laughs> and you know what he said to me? <clears throat> if you're going to accomplish something, you're going to have to shovel. Everybody look right here. All those of you who got the, you want to do so, you got these dreams. If you're going to accomplish something, you're going to shovel. Now, if you don't want to accomplish anything, get you a camper, move to Florida, get you some Velcro tennis shoes and drink beer and fall over one day. But if you're going to accomplish anything from being married to having children to having a life to helping people, you are going to shovel through the stuff. Shoveling and success go hand in hand. Can I get a witness? I think when they ordain preachers, instead of giving them a new Bible, I'll hand them a shovel with a bow around it. That's about what the truth is. Of anything, new parents, it doesn't matter. Whatever you do. All right, listen to me. <clears throat> If you don't have the right attitude toward problems and obstacles, number one, you're going to die. Number two, you're going to be poisoned to the culture. You're going to die. The deadest people I know have got the wrong. It's not because they didn't have an opportunity. It's because they got the wrong attitude toward problems. 
All right, it's been years ago, <clears throat> we had some teachers over at our house too. I think there were six teachers, elementary school teachers. All of them taught with my wife at the school she was teaching at. Had them over for dinner one night, and they got older teachers and one young teacher. And one of the girls, she was, it was her first year, brand new. She'd only been teaching three months. And so we sat around the table that night, and I didn't say a word because it wasn't my show. I'm just listening. And the entire time they whined and moaned and complained about how hard it is and how stupid the kids are and how dumb the parents are and how rotten the system is. And they whined, had a sweet, sweet spirit just all over the place that night. <laughs> and I listened to it. It wasn't my show, so I didn't say anything. And afterwards, we were up doing different things. I said to that young girl who's new, I said, come here, man, I want to talk to you. I took her outside. I said, come here, I'm going to talk to you. I said, let me tell you something. I said, uh, you want to be a teacher? She said, yes, sir. I said, stay away from people like that. I said, don't be around them people. I said, them people mess you up. The poison that's on them will get on you if you hang around them. Uh, uh, I said, hang around my wife. I said, there's a man at your school. He teaches on the hall. You do his name's Larry Conte. I said, you hang around Larry. Larry's one of them people. If, if you was to dump a pile of horse crap on the floor in his room, He'd say, there's a pony somewhere. <laughs> I mean, where everybody else sees obstacles, he sees opportunities. That's just his spirit. He's just one of them guys. Hand him a bag of garbage, he'll box it and sell it to the Chinese. He'll get them back. I mean, he'll do it. He's one of them guys where everybody else sees the problems, he sees the opportunity. I said, you hang around him. I said, you stick around him. Let what's on him rub off on you. Don't let this poison rub off on you. The day you start whining about all the problems is the day you die and you'll start killing other people. 1 Corinthians 15 says this, bad company destroys good morals. And it does. Bad attitudes will ruin your faith. They'll ruin your drive. Stay away from them. Tell your mom-in-law I ain't coming to your house no more. All right, let me make an announcement. I'm, I'm fixing to go deep, but you can handle it. You cannot soar with the eagles and run with the turkeys. You cannot, you will never be able to soar like an eagle if you're running with turkeys. Let me tell you about eagles. Eagles soar above everything else. Eagles got that. Eagle has an eye. No other animal has it. Humans don't have it. An eagle can look straight at the sun and not be bothered by it and keep staring at it. Eagles can do that. Eagles soar up there. Turkeys, turkeys always looking down and they're always scratching in the dirt. I ain't talking about birds either. You can't soar with the eagles and run with the turkeys. Who are you hanging around? I've had young people, as much as I love y'all, I do love you, say some of the dumbest things to me. But the truth is, I was dumber than they were when I was young. I'm sorry. One said to me not long ago, you can't judge me by my friends. Show me who you hanging around with and I'll show you what you're going to be like a year from now. Look up here, men, older men. Show me who you run with. I'll show you where you're going. Quit scratching with the turkeys. Find you some eagles to fly with. I, got, I get fussed at all the time because I won't come to preacher's meetings. I'm going to soar with the eagles. Sorry. I don't want to sit around listening to people whine about how bad it is. I want to be around people who want to accomplish something. I'm going to run with people who want to change the world. And if this guy... If it's got to be an alcoholic bartender that wants to clean the place up, bless God, I'd rather eat with him and I would have preached who's whining. Can I get a witness? Be careful who you hang around. That's a side note. Be careful who you hang around with. All right. Choose the eagles. Now listen to me. It all begins with a new attitude. 
Everything in life, I think life all falls with a new attitude, a biblical attitude. Uh, let me show it to you. Turn with me to, well, we've seen it, James chapter one. And it says this, instead of whining and complaining and quitting, I'm going to face my problems from now on with faith and hope. All right. Turn with me to James chapter one. You got it? <clears throat> all right. Let me ask you a question. Did anybody ever run into a problem? All right, I'm fixing that. Don't say it out loud because I don't want nobody to hear you. What's the first word out of your mouth when you have problems? What's the first word out of your mouth when a problem comes up? Uh, don't say it out loud. You might see it written all over your face, but don't say it out loud. Relax, I'm here to help you. I ain't here to bust you. I'm not going to give you an F. I want you to make it. I want you to read something with me. Now, this may sound weird to you, but I want to remind you something. I didn't write this. James chapter 1. Verse 2, James 1, 2. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. What do you do when problems come up? So we got something to learn here, don't we? Amen. All right, what does this tell me to do? When obstacles come up, when, when, the, when they call, when you fail, when, the, when the garbage is in front of you, what's your first response? Is it joy? Is it whining? Is it, do you quit? What's the Bible tell me? Say, Brother Brian, how in the world can you get excited when problems come up? Well, you're not supposed to do it without, there's a reason. The reason's in the next verse. Count it all joy when you run into messes, problems, knowing, right, listen to me, if you'll know this, you'll do it. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Patience, terrible word. That, that doesn't translate well at all. Patience, you think of not fussing when you're in the line at Walmart. That ain't even close. The word patience there is better translated faith. All right, listen to this. When the junk comes up, which it does, when you run into a problem, count it all joy knowing I know something. This is a test of my faith and this is going to build my faith. If you know that, you'll handle it different. Let's read the rest of it. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces faith, let faith have its perfect work that you may be perfect, complete, lacking nothing. If you want to read, all right, read it right there. Put it together. God's talking to you right here. How do you reach a place of perfection and completion and I got it? How do you get there? Problem after problem after problem, which makes you stronger. I guarantee you, every one of you sitting in this room right now, if you've got strength and you've got character, it didn't come by sitting on your fanny in a classroom. It came by the stuff you crawled through. Little boy comes to his mama one day and he's found something out in the yard. He said, Mama, look at this. What's this right here? She said, no, that's called a chrysalis. That's a cocoon. He said, there's a butterfly in there. And one of these days, he's going to break out of that thing and that butterfly is beautiful. And, you, and notice, son, when he breaks out of there, I want you to look at his wings. God painted his wings. Beautiful. And you just watch it. You put him in a little plastic box and said, keep him in that window in your room where you can get sunshine. So he set him in there and she said, one day, He'll come out of that thing and he'll be beautiful and you'll see what God painted on him. A few days later, he comes to his mama. He's got that little box and said, Mama, look at this. And the little boy had taken his Boy Scout knife. I'm sure they've banned those now. About like they banned Boy Scouts. All right. And he had sliced that thing open trying to help that little butterfly get out, making it easier for him. And beside it led a dead, ugly bug. 
He said, what happened? Mama, I thought you said there was a beautiful butterfly in there. She said, sweetheart, you killed him trying to make it easy for him. It was fighting his way out of that thing that strengthened his wings. Son, I know you meant well, but you killed him trying to make it easy for him. We're killing a generation trying to make it easy for him. That great World War II generation that I love so much that made the world safe for democracy, came back, built lives, built businesses. They screwed up in one place. The generation right above me, you know what they did? They wanted to give their kids what they never had. I commend them for that. But you know what they didn't do? They didn't give their kids what they did have. They didn't give us the tough times. They didn't let us handle it on earth. Could you imagine if I got whooped at school, believe it or not, back when Lincoln was in office, we got whooped at school if we did wrong. Could you imagine if I went home and told my daddy, they spanked me at school. Do you think he'd have called a lawyer? God knows the only thing I wanted was for word not to get home that I'd got spanked at school because I was fixing to get it again. We're killing people by making it too easy for them. God designed that that butterfly would grow strong by fighting through the obstacle. God designed that you'd be strong by fighting through the obstacles. Quit fussing about the obstacles and start praising God for them. Knowing, knowing when I get through this, the man that helped me so much mentored me as a young, I saw the problems. I saw the hard times with his church and his school. I saw what he went through. But every time something screwed up or went wrong, I heard him say this, praise God for another opportunity to prove that God's word works. I don't remember much anything he ever taught me, but I do remember that. Buddy, when problems come up, thank God for another chance to see how big he is. That's the attitude. That's the attitude we adopt. (laughs) Thank God that it is. Now, Christianity has changed since I got into it. I got saved in 1975. It's been a long time. 47 years ago. Christianity's changed. We don't sing the music we used to sing like we used to sing. We sing music today that's not like used to. We don't hear sermons like we used to hear back then. Let me tell you what sermons are all about today in most Christianity. You're going to make it. You're going to make it. Thank you. We're singing dumb songs like that. I listened to the radio. I said, I can't believe it. Christian radio. You ever heard this song right here? What is crazy? Breathe, just breathe. You ever heard that song? You ever heard anything stupider in your life? What do you mean just breathe? Of course I can breathe. Watch this. I can breathe. Are we that pathetic and miserable? Is our God that tiny that we have to have somebody hold our hand and tell us to breathe? When I got saved, we sang songs like, I thank Him for the mountains. I thank Him for the valleys. I thank Him for the storms He's brought me through. If I'd never had a problem, I wouldn't know that God could solve them. I wouldn't know what faith in God could do through it all. Through it all, I've learned, learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God. Through it all, I've learned to depend upon His Word. Dear ones, we didn't sing, breathe, just breathe. You say you're making fun. Dang right. I remember the first songs I ever learned when I was leading music. First song I was, God will make a way when there seems to be no way. He works in ways you cannot see. He will make a way for me. He will be my... Where's that attitude? Where's that spirit of faith? You don't have to make it easy. Just give me God. I ask people all the time, where's your God? Where's your Bible? Dear ones... 
We have got to go back to a biblical attitude of instead of fagging out. That's what my daddy called it when you laid down on the job. <laughs> instead of fagging out when times get tough. <laughs> no, that's not what they're doing in Washington, D.C. <laughs> Come back. All right, falling apart if that makes you happy. Instead of falling apart, we need to count it all joy when we fall into various trials, knowing, watch what God does. I can do this. We need an entirely different attitude <laughs> toward that. One more scripture. Turn me to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians 9. All right, uh, 1 Corinthians 9. I want you to make a decision today and then ask him to help you do it. 1 Corinthians 9 is a picture and it asks a simple question and it asks this, are you a runner or are you a winner? All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, let's look at the picture. 1 Corinthians 9, 24. I, I do love it. I like this a whole lot better than that shoveling verse. 1 Corinthians 9, 24. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize? And this is a passage where he's comparing life to the Olympic Games. You had the Olympic Games back then, the Olympiad back then, and he's comparing it to boxing and, and running. All right, how many of you believe what he said is true? In a foot race, whether it's high school, college, Olympics, whatever, all the people running the race, how many win? Only one wins. All right. Now, God's fixing to speak to you. Watch what he says in the rest of that verse. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, verse 24, only one wins? Watch these words. Run in such a way that you may win. What do you say? You going to run to run or you going to run to win? You're just trying to exist and eat cheeseburgers and burp? You're just trying to get through the day and hope to retire and go to McDonald's? Are you trying to accomplish something in life? What did the Bible say right there? <clears throat> Don't just exist accomplish something. One of the reasons I don't hang around preachers much, I thought there was more to life than just me showing up and keeping the door open on an old church where 150 people can come down and look sad every week. I want to change the world. I'm not going to change the whole world. I'm not naive, but I'm going to change somebody's world. And I'm going to shovel the entire path. You got to. If you're going to accomplish something, you can't just be, you can't live to live. You got to live to accomplish something. You got to live to win. I ran high school uh, tra ran track and I asked it. One time I held the city of Charlotte record for the half mile. And uh, let me tell you what I noticed out there on the track. I noticed that a lot of the boys out there, girls didn't compete with boys back then. <clears throat> We'd lost. Boys didn't run, run much this. I've noticed on the track, there's a lot of guys out there. They didn't, they knew they couldn't win. They didn't think they couldn't win, but they just wanted to be in sports. And I'd watch them. They were just running to run, running to run. I was not out there to run. If I can't win, I'm mad. I don't know. It's just, we need a different attitude in this land. And, and let, me, let me go even further than that. <clears throat> I didn't want to lead either. I never wanted to be up front. You know, I, that's a long way around. It's a half mile. I, I wanted to be in the back. I wanted to stay in fourth or fifth and be back there and just cruise along fourth or fifth. And then when we came around about that last 50 yards, that's when I wanted to take off. And I wanted to pass that dude who thought he had it all wrapped up about two yards before the finish line and break his heart. <laughs> I love them come from behind, but I was out there to win. I wasn't out there to run. What's God saying right here? Don't just live to live. 
Don't just live to listen to music and eat cheeseburgers and goof off and get a paycheck. You live to accomplish something because God created you. You die on the inside if you don't live to accomplish something. What is it? What is this he put inside of us that we just, we, people want to overcome, but we built a culture that says everybody be equal. Nobody can get hurt. There's no danger. There's no risk. Drink your craft beer, fart, go to bed. What is this? Where are the risk takers? Where are the people that say, we're going to make this marriage work? These kids are going to do right if I have to kill them. I'm going to pray till heaven comes down. Where are the people who want to change the world? All right, I understand a lot of things in life. It's one thing I've never understood. This week, my wife wanted to watch the rodeo. So we watched, I helped her watch the rodeo this week. And um, watching the San Antonio rodeo, it was the biggest rodeo in the, in the nation. And watching that thing, and I understand a lot of stuff. There's one thing I have never understood. I understand, what, I know why them crazy people want to climb that mountain. But I have never for my, I've never understood why a young man wants to climb on top of 1,500 pounds of pissed off hamburger <laughs> and try to hang on to that thing for eight seconds while it's having an epileptic seizure out there in the arena. I have no, what possesses a boy to want to ride a bull that's mad at him? No, and when you climb over that rail and get on him, ain't one way to get off. They don't bring no ladder out there. Why would he want to do that? You know what? God put that in there. I, I admire them guys. You said they're going to get killed, probably. None of them will be able to walk when they get 50. But you know what? They want to take a risk and accomplish something. That thing's inside of you too. Yeah, you say, I ain't riding no bull. I didn't mean ride the bull. I ain't riding no bull. I'm going to ride a horse named Plug. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> But it is in your heart to do more than just exist and show up and hope that one day this is the day the Lord has made. You need to accomplish it today. You need to dream big and make up your mind. I've decided you got to make a decision right here. Only one wins, run to win. I'm not going to live to live. I'm going to live to accomplish something. I'm going to live to do something. And the next time something jumps up in front of me, I'm going to say, praise God, another opportunity to prove that his word works and he is faithful. Listen to me. Quit trying to shrink your problems. They're not going to shrink. All right, you ready? I got to make an announcement. I wouldn't be a good pastor if I didn't tell you the truth. In case you think, well, it'll get better next year. God got a word from you from the book of Jeremiah. Here it is. Thus saith the Lord. You ready? You don't look ready. Here it is. If running with footmen has wearied you, how shall you do when you race with horsemen? You want a language you can understand? If you get in your butt kicked running against people, what you going to do when you got to race against horses? Let me put it down to language you can really understand. If you get worn out now, what you going to do when it gets tougher tomorrow? You're not going to shrink your problems. Quit wanting to shrink your problems. I got a better idea. Grow your God. Grow your God. All you got to do is just look in this book. This book is a magnifying glass. You read this book and pray to him. Help me. Read this book. And guess what? Your problems won't shrink, but your God will get bigger. And he'll get so big. <laughs> he'll get so big. There'll come a day you'll look up at problems and you'll just say, that's the best you can do.
I ain't even whooping out my pistol on you. I'm going to cut you with my knife. I just want to praise you and thank you, Father, you're so good. You did not create us to be whiners and moaners and pitiful. Why does your word say overcomers, conquerors, more than conquerors through him who loved me? Father, why does your word say things like thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus? If there ain't no problems, what's there to conquer? What's there to overcome? What's there to triumph over? I want to praise you and thank you. I pray for everybody in this room, a brand new attitude toward problems, a brand new attitude toward obstacles and setbacks and and weaknesses and lack and the attitude of watch what God does. I can do this. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Father, our days are so different when we crawl out to bed if we have an overcomer attitude versus a survivor attitude versus a I'm whipped attitude. You didn't create your people to suck eggs and finish last. You created your people to achieve and overcome. In the name of Jesus, I unlock everything that's in the heart of people from the hand of God. Whatever it is, to help people, start a ministry, have a great family, change the world, take Grow personally. Whatever, Father, you put in their hearts, I unlock it today in the name of Jesus. Try it. Do it. Dream. Quit floating downstream with every old dead fish and get up and swim. I trust you for that. Well, I thank you for the spirit of faith that you put inside of people's hearts. You have saved this world by putting your spirit in people's hearts. I trust you to keep doing it. In the mighty, strong name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.